Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by James Malone. So James is a senior lecturer, a researcher, a mentor and a consultant. He's accredited by BASIS and SENR and he's produced over 35 peer-reviewed research articles which makes him the perfect person today to discuss how you can use cooling to improve your recovery. So without further ado, it's time to welcome James onto the show. So James, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, Matt. Much appreciated. Thank you very much for joining us. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yeah, so um, my current sort of role, so I work as a senior lecturer uh, at a university in Liverpool. Um, but prior to that, I've kind of worked mostly in applied sports. So kind of going back quite a while now, but did my PhD uh, at John Moores University linked with Liverpool Football Club. So kind of spent uh, three years or three seasons there working as the first team sports scientist as well. Um, after that, went to work for Catapult Sports for a number of years. So was actually the first UK employee for Catapult. So pretty much myself and an Australian guy uh, uh, went around Europe and just tried to get as much business as we could. And luckily we did. We grew the company quite a lot in that time. So we got to network and I think I visited about 40 odd countries during that time. So it was a you know really good time. But then like most things, they come to an end and now being in sort of lectrum for uh, this is my eighth year, um, which I still enjoy. But alongside that, I also do a lot of consultancy and uh, and mentoring as well for young practitioners. Absolutely excellent. And uh, we're here to talk about uh, cooling and how that's used by elite athletes. So like the the basics of it, why is it used? Why, why are athletes going to even consider using cooling? Yeah, I mean, it's not a new concept, to be honest, Matt. It's something that is gone all the way back to the ancient Greek days. And I think it was only actually recently in sort of mainstream media as well, people like Wim Hof, who've um, really made it popular amongst general people as well. So I think in the athletic populations, it's been used for, again, quite a while now. And it's it's one of those things which, you know, I've experienced it with athletes as well. Some of them absolutely love it, but some of them absolutely hate it as well. So it's um, it can be a useful tool, but adherence is certainly a big issue that we face with it. And when it comes to adherence, is it is it just a case of people don't like doing it because it's not very nice, but they know it's good for them? Or do they just need to be told, oi, sit in that bath and crack on? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, everybody's different. Some people love the warm, some people don't mind the cold. But I think it's actually, you know, what once you're in the baths, it's actually not a problem. But it's that initial phase and that shock response that a lot of people just don't like and um as soon as they're in they'll be quickly out as well so yeah i think adherence is is the hardest part <laughs> okay okay and then when it comes to like the physiology of that obviously we don't want to just give random things because the greek people thousands of years ago told us to so like science has come on a little bit since then so what kind of physiology then supports the use of of this in order to improve recovery well i guess it comes mainly from uh sort of inflammation research really so you know, when we exercise, as most people know, we get the uh, sort of DOMS effect, delayed onset muscle soreness. So that's actually the the secondary response to to exercise. So we have a primary response, which is very uh, sort of localized within the cells. But then secondary to that, we get this inflammation. And that's when, you know, if anyone's ever done a heavy leg day at the gym or done a bunch of sprints or decelerations, you get that feeling, which typically peaks at 48 hours, most people. So, you know, what what essentially happens is those cells have become damaged and 
you know, the general principles of training is that if we shock the system through exercise and then allow recovery, we adapt and obviously improve on our baseline. So the reason for, I guess, cold water was as an intervention to accelerate that recovery process. So a lot of the theory is around sort of um, restriction, so restriction of space. So particularly looking at blood flow data, trying to, you know, vasoconstrict our sort of flow and, and the way we actually shuttle things around the body essentially so by limiting the space we actually limit inflammation and then in theory we limit that sort of pain response to exercise as well excellent so when when that happens um you've limited the pain but does it also then allow you to compete quicker afterwards is that is that the kind of the reasoning behind it uh, yeah, I mean, fortunately, it's never quite as simple as that with these things. So I think with um, it, it depends on the situation. So often we get told about, say, like in-season versus pre-season and the differences there. So with, with in-season where it's all about competition, um, certainly trying to accelerate that phase of recovery is important, particularly if you've got you know multiple competitions in a week. However, if you're trying to um, just focus purely on adaptation like in pre-season, it might actually be better to allow the body to recover naturally. So allow the physiological systems to adapt and to, you know, be exposed to that stress because like with most things in life, if you, if you give an overdose of what it is, it becomes less effective over time. So when, when we're looking at different options available for this, um, ice baths are, are kind of the ones that everyone's going to think about, but what different cooling options do, do athletes have at the fingertips? Because it's not just one thing, of course. Yeah, so, I mean, it's all dictated by budget, I guess. So, you know, let's say you're a Man City with unlimited funds, you know, you can go for something as fancy as a cryotherapy chamber installed within the training ground. But if you're just a regular sort of athlete or recreational athlete, then, you know, getting your wheelie bin, sticking some cold water and ice in it can still be effective as well. So the cold water immersion is kind of the mainstream or the main sort of one that we look at, but certainly... um, you know, whole body cryotherapy has become quite popular within the professional setting. And then even in sort of therapy clinics and beauty clinics, you can get sort of partial body cryotherapy. So um, not quite as effective because the whole body isn't immersed in the cold, but still it will provide some sort of um, recovery stimulus for the person. And can you, can you talk us through what they are? So let's let's go for cryotherapy, for example. What, what does that actually involve? Because I can imagine there's people listening who are sat there going, right, okay, I've seen pictures of athletes in gloves getting really cold and it's minus a billion degrees, but what, what does it actually uh, involve? And then what does it do on the physiological side? So essentially it's, it's, a, it's a big chamber, um, which is cool to really extreme sort of cold. So it's about minus 130 is what we kind of set it at. So typically you would go into a, a pre-cooling chamber for about, about a minute in duration and then once you've had that pre-cool and you go to the main chamber and it's usually about a two to three minute protocol at that extreme temperature. So quite a lot of athletes prefer that anecdotally because it's a dry application. So as you've described there, Matt, you just put on some um, some gloves and some socks and things to protect the extremities of the, of the body. But pretty much you go in uh, in your swimsuit and uh, get exposed and come straight back out. So it's over really quickly. Same sort of physiological processes as we've described before. We're trying to, you know, vasoconstrict and trying to limit that inflammation. Um, the downside is the cost. So 
to purchase and to run such a system, you're talking, you know, potentially hundred thousand plus in whatever currency that you're going to work in. That's a, that's a lot of whatever currency you're working in. So, <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not like everyone's going to do that. Is there is there like a, you mentioned this in, in beauty therapies and stuff, but like, yeah, are you, are you talking about like a hundred pounds ago? Are you talking about a, a tenner ago? What, what what are you looking at if you just go privately? Yeah, so if you go to like a partial uh, cryo sort of chamber, you can get those for about yeah about sixty seventy pounds in English money. So it's not too expensive for you know your weekend warrior to go and have a little session there. But as I say, for the the top level athletes, the exposure of cryo it, it ideally needs to be whole body, which is more of a specialized chamber which they go into. And and what does that then actually do for them? So yeah, you can imagine. Uh, a Premier League footballer is like, right, okay, I want to improve my recovery and, and recover optimally. But like, what's actually going to happen in their bodies when they've completed that session? Yeah, so we, we get those sort of physiological changes. So um, particularly inflammatory markers will ideally come down is what we're trying to look to do. Well, probably one aspect we're not touched on yet is actually the perceptual side of recovery. So, um, you know, a lot of athletes actually do prefer the cryotherapy over cold water because, as I say, because of the dry application they feel better as they come out of it. Um, it's not to say that, that that's the same for all athletes. Everyone's different, but certainly from the people I've worked with anyway, they seem to prefer that sort of approach. So perception is quite important, but when we look at the science and the actual, you know, which of those methods is more effective from a physiological standpoint, cold water is still actually, it, it comes out on top. And when when we're talking about cold water then, like what? What's the the advantage of using that compared to, for example, the cryotherapy, which is obviously expensive too. So, like, it hurts you in your your, in your wallet whilst you're there. Yeah. So, budget wise, it's obviously more cost effective. It's um, certainly a lot more portable as well. So, thinking from a practitioner standpoint, you can um, easily buy these sort of portable baths to set up in the dressing room and things like this. But also, like say, physiologically, if we look at blood flow data, we get a, a significantly lower reduction in that response compared to cryo. So it kind of ticks all the boxes that we need it to do. But as I say, some athletes just really despise the, co the cold. And also as well, we might have some uh, contraindications. So people with certain um, blood flow related illnesses or, or conditions might actually not be able to, to be uh, so you know exposed to such cold and then obviously those are those are two ways of of applying cold but are there any others that the athletes could use to improve their recovery yeah the, the more recent one which has come out in the literature is the use of phase change materials so this is one which doesn't have a huge body of research behind it just yet but um there's been uh, particularly some work in football recent years looking at how we can use that um sort of post-match to improve that recovery effect and the way that works, it's essentially a, a fancy ice pack that we apply to the body. So it's something we can um, strap on and leave for up to usually about six hours post-exercise. So the good thing about that approach is you get that prolonged cooling effect over that duration, whereas um, obviously cold water tends to go for about 10 to 15 minutes. So you get this really rapid decrease in terms of that blood flow and all the effects, but actually then you know, as soon as you come out of it, it goes back to room temperature. So that's one of the key advantages of phase change material. And it's quite cost effective as well. Excellent. And that's that's one for, for future research as such. And this is not like not massively supported, but something that could be used potentially with a, with a little bit more evidence to come. 
yeah, like like with anything in science, you know, we get something new that comes out into the market and then, you know, peer review is so slow these days, it's the slowest <laughs> it's ever been probably. So it takes years to get those papers through. And um, as I say, I'm, I'm always someone who looks at systematic reviews, meta-analyses to see what's the highest evidence. But um, in this case, there's just not been that body of research there just yet to make those definitive conclusions. Um, and are those the, the top three then? Is there anything else that's uh, that you think might be uh, worth talking about? Um, they're probably, yeah, the top three. So we covered those in a recent uh, Bases expert statement that myself and a few authors uh, were involved in last year. But, you know, since then, I've actually been approached by quite a few companies, a um, few startup companies as well, who've looked at kind of combination of things. So looking at sort of like localized cryotherapy so you could actually get you know similar to a massage gun essentially where we um, can localize where we put those cooling so that might be something particularly for rehab setting which is quite useful um, particularly for certain muscular injuries um, but yeah kind of you know the, the classic sort of use of the, the compression garments coupled with cold as well is something that people have, have used for, for quite a while as well. Excellent. So when you when you take all of that into account, you mentioned that you might want to um, in preseason do things differently to in season. Like, what what are the downsides then to to doing these things other than the fact you get athletes moaning at you uh, in preseason? Sorry, or in uh, season? just just in generally, like if you if you were to do a session and you then go into your recovery cryo chamber or or water bath, whatever, are there any downsides to doing that um, other than the fact that people don't like it necessarily? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the major kind of negative, which has caused quite a little bit of debate recently, is around resistance exercise. So I think um, it kind of came about from a study published, I think it was 2015 by Roberts. So that was kind of the first paper that, that saw, uh, this was cold water immersion, that we have a blunting effect of, of basically strength and resistance adaptation. So that one paper kind of led to this whole notion that you know, cold is bad for you and for athletes, you should stay away from it. But actually, as I've described before, it was just one study. So we need a good body of research before we make definitive conclusions. So there has been more recent research in this area, a couple that support that notion, some that disagree with it. There's been more mechanistic work done in this field the last sort of year as well, which again indicates that there could be some blunting effect when it comes to that sort of pathway and that response. So the kind of advice that we give is obviously if you're a um, a purely resistance-based athlete so you know a power lifter or maybe a, a bodybuilder or something like this then actually cold water might not be best for you um, obviously there are other recovery interventions out there that you could potentially use but for more of us you know hybrid athletes our team sport athletes it's actually then a bit of a paradoxical approach because as we're saying it may hinder certain elements of adaptation but it still enhances recovery so you know let's say you had uh, two or three game week in football you know you need to bring something in maybe to accelerate recovery in between each match um, so by doing the cold water that's going to do it but then you know if you're doing a lift in the gym that week somehow um, in that schedule then that might actually hinder that adaptation. So it's it's a case of which of those two things is most important at that time point. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how we present it to coaches. Absolutely excellent. So I'm, I'm interested to hear how you then bring this together, right? So can you give us a, a case study as to how this could be used in, in football, for example? So obviously, yeah, you've, you've said that it could be used in, in that game week, but can you take us through 
for example, um, what kind of um, what kind of yeah cold water therapy that might be used, how to use it, um, length and duration, temperature, that kind of stuff, so that if there's any footballers listening, they can go, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna do it for this and this and this, and they get like a, a practical guide sheet to to work through. Yeah, so so protocol wise, I mean, the cold water stuff we we typically call it as a one to one ratio, so. You know, the, the the main issue we find with this is that most people don't have access to a temperature controlled bath. You know, so like you say, it's someone who's just got to get some ice cubes from from the shops and then chuck them into the the bin or the bath at home. So typically, if you do that approach, you'll probably get it to about maybe anywhere between fifteen to eighteen degrees usually if you just do it at home. Now, like I say, you need an ideally a one-to-one ratio for duration to temperature. So if you're, let's say it's at 15 degrees, that means you have to stay in for 15 minutes, which some people might struggle to stay in that long. Um, obviously, if you go a bit colder, which is ideal, we, we tend to say probably 10 degrees is the ideal temperature. Um, that would only equate to a 10-minute duration. So it all depends on the temperature to duration ratio there. Um I've already kind of touched on the cryotherapy approach, so very short duration, but really extreme cold, so three minutes at that minus 130. Um, and then the phase change stuff, we, yeah, like I say, we tend to leave it on for four to six hours post-exercise, um, and the temperature there can can kind of vary, but it's it's obviously it's ice, so it kind of um, maintains a pretty cool temperature. And have you got any like bonus tips for the for recreational athletes? I know you mentioned them earlier in the podcast as well, but... Uh, what what can people do when they've not got huge budgets? And obviously, yeah, they, you you could be a sixteen year old who probably doesn't have the money to go out and buy uh, five bags of ice on the weekend or whatever, so they can recover. So, is there anything you can do if you if you are a a young athlete or who's on a, sh- a shoestring budget? Yeah, I think just like to say, if it doesn't take anything fancy, just get yourself a plastic tub from from a shop and fill it up with some cold water and ice and particularly the way the weather's about to go in the UK, it's going to stay pretty cold outside if you leave it there. So the key thing is just watch the, uh, the, the water quality, you know, so <laughs> this is why if you, if you've got the money, you can buy a filtration system at home. And, you know, actually there's quite a few companies who do these now. Um, it helps from a, you know, a, a water quality perspective as well, because you don't want to be getting bacterial infections from these sort of bin approaches. So, well, yeah, I think I think if you, even if you do something as basic as that, and actually probably one thing I should have mentioned before was um, some research that shows that it can actually enhance your endurance adaptation as well. So it's not just about um, about recovery per se. There's actually certain markers of endurance adaptation in the muscle cell, which cold water has been shown to enhance in an acute sense. So if you're doing um, you know an endurance-based running session, let's say, it might be worthwhile then actually including cold water post session so that you get that additional benefit from that that modality. Absolutely excellent. So James, massive thanks for your time and efforts today. It's been a pleasure talking. Where can people find a little bit more about you and what you're up to? Yeah, I mean I'm pretty active on social these days. So um particularly on sort of LinkedIn and uh, just start to get more active on Twitter as well. So if you just search my name on there, you should be able to find it. Um, and I do have my website as well, which is MalonePerformance.com. So as I say, I do a lot of mentoring and sort of one-to-one consultancy work with people as well. Absolutely excellent. James, massive thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to speaking again soon. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Matt. Cheers, buddy. And that's it once again. A massive thanks to James for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm sure you do at home too. 
before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of the Science of Sport Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is an overgrowing library of sports science courses, which are broken down into bite-sized chunks, which means you can fit them in and around your busy coaching schedule. And what's more, every time you complete one of those courses, you get a certificate of completion, which will prove your ongoing education. So if you want to get into the Coach Academy completely for free, you can do that for seven days using the link in the show notes in just a few seconds time. And if you enjoyed today's podcast with James, he's got a mini course in there as well on how to use cooling to improve performance. So if you want more great information from him, hit that link in just a few seconds time. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you could recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me, I'm Matt Solomon of Science Support, and I'll see you next week.